0: Welcome to Sharing the Spectrum, and Autism Canada podcast, an engaging series of discussions about relevant topics, including parenting, relationships, employment, education, nutrition, and so much more. We look forward to introducing you to people from our ASD community and sharing their perspectives on life and autism. And now, please enjoy this episode of Sharing the Spectrum, and Autism Canada podcast. Welcome to Sharing the Spectrum and Autism Canada podcast, an engaging series of discussions about relevant topics, including parenting, relationships, employment, education, nutrition, and so much more. We look forward to introducing you to people from our ASD community and sharing their perspectives on life and autism. And now, please enjoy this episode of Sharing the Spectrum and Autism Canada podcast.
1: Thank you for joining us for our Sharing the Spectrum podcast. Today, we'll be speaking with Sue Simmons. Sue is not only an autism mom, but she is also a certified professional coach and a certified EFT practitioner and emotional success coach. Today we're going to be talking about Sue's personal experiences with autism, as well as her work and how she helps families of autistic individuals. So I'd like to welcome Sue Simmons to the podcast today. We're super excited to be talking to Sue and... um, I think probably the best way to get started is to talk about your personal experiences with autism and um,
2: and then talk about why you're doing what you do. Sounds good. Well, thank you, Julie. Very nice to be with you today. So yes, so my personal experience goes way back. Um, my son is now 24 uh, when he was uh, roughly three everything in our relationship went sideways and um, i'm going back to a time when there were you know in fact my son was one of the first in our vicinity to be diagnosed with autism so it was long before the diagnosis um, is as common as it is today so it was a very different time and it took us two years to get a diagnosis um, of autism, so yeah, everything completely changed. My son went from being a, a happy little boy. We played, we had fun and laughed, um, and all of a sudden, it seemed as though someone took my my beautiful little boy from me, and he was very rigid, he was lining up all his toys. Um, it was so strange, and so our house turned into. A disaster zone where there was a lot of screaming and crying and yelling, and it was a nightmare, a horrible, horrible time. And sorry, how old was he when that happened, Sue? Three.
1: Okay. Wow, that's um, overwhelming, I can imagine, as a parent to all of a sudden see that change in your child. Yes, it really
2: was. And, you know, I just didn't know what to do. I tried to get help at home. Nothing seemed to change things, and of course, I had no idea at that time uh, what was going on. I had no idea how to manage, and um, as a result, you know, our house just became, um, like I said, it was just crazy. It was horrible. And
1: and did you find that you sort of everything sort of ended up revolving around your son and? Are there other, do you have other kids?
2: Uh, My daughter was born in 2000, 2000, yeah. So my son was um, five when he was diagnosed and my daughter was one at that time. And so, yeah, and having a newborn um, and (laughs) it was just a nightmare. Gosh, (laughs) yeah. Very difficult time. That is really
1: difficult. I mean, it's hard enough just to have a newborn and then to have a child that's um, experiencing those kinds of of difficulties and not understanding how to take care of it as a mother must have just been exhausting, exhausting.
2: It it was, it was. And so, um, you know, uh, of course, the work I do now um, gives me such empathy and understanding for moms that are going through uh, what I went through back then. Right. So um, I, I totally get it.
1: And I do really want to talk about that. I, I would just love to know where you turned for resources when your child was diagnosed.
2: Well, ironically, um, I I had a... Um, I, had become at that time uh eventually became friends with a doctor in Peterborough and I I reached out to her and what should I be doing and and the only resource I was given at that time was the phone number of another mom that was wow it. yeah huh. yeah interesting so I decided to really take matters into my own hands and um i I was absolutely determined that my son was going to have a good quality of life. Um, I just made that decision the moment he was diagnosed that I was going to figure out a way to make it all work and um, So I started a support group and uh, it was It was right around the dawn of the internet, so I was able to get email addresses and send emails out to people I, I, I found. And, and so it quickly be became a pretty good-sized group. There were about 40 people coming out to meetings. Wow. I held them at a church. church. Yeah, yeah. So people came from all over the place because there was nothing else like it.
1: Well, and that in grassroots area. kind of advocacy and activity is so important. You know, I mean, I could yeah. think countless yeah. times where just sitting down for a coffee with someone else has been such a comfort during a difficult oh, yes, time so i'm it. sure that yeah. your your group was really able to support each other and provide further resources for each other which is so
2: amazing good for you well thank you you know it, it really was eye opening and what i discovered pretty quickly was that all of the parents were experiencing similar big picture challenges and at one meeting one of the moms brought in a brochure on a parent based program and uh, so I, I uh, was able to get my hands on it and read it from cover to cover and uh, really was gobsmacked by what I read about what was possible for our kids. And uh, so reached out to a woman, um, ironically, who lived 20 minutes away from me, who was certified in this, in this intervention and uh, glommed onto her. And said to my husband, we are doing this. And uh, that was the best decision I ever made. So I worked with a consultant for um, a year and a half, two years. And it completely changed the course of my son's life and our relationship as well. Amazing amazing mm-hmm. so
1: why don't you talk a little bit about that program and about the um, the types of interventions if that's the right word yeah I'd like to hear more about that because I know that sort of started you down a different career path as well oh it
2: did <laughs> <laughs> yeah it did so um, what I discovered working with this consultant and and the program um, is called relationship development intervention or RDI there are other similar programs out there that I would call cousins to this program. So what it helped me see was that I thought that my son was being a pain in the ass. (laughs) And of course, um, we know that, you know, difficult behavior is part of autism. But what no one was able to tell me uh, prior to this training I underwent as a parent was that there was a good reason for why things were so difficult and it was uh, because autism had impacted my son's development and so what wound up happening was I began to realize that my son my son's development had been derailed as a result of the wiring in his brain, and so for him, every day was fraught with uh, frustration, overwhelm, uh, some sensory challenges, and all of this meant that he could not process information the way a typical develop a typically developing child could. So he could not rely on information that was coming into his brain to be reliable. I suppose, is the best way. So he was expected to do things that a typically developing child could do. But for him, it was very overwhelming and frustrating. And so as a little human being, uh, for him, life was too much to handle. And so as a little human, he would act out out of frustration. And so that's where the difficult behavior came from. And of course, it also impacted my ability to parent him. So I expected to be able to parent him as you would any other child. But he and our children with autism are not just any other children. You know, they, they are certainly children. They're little humans, but they contend with way more frustration, overwhelm, and sensory challenges. And so, you know, for them, uh, life is, is very difficult. And when we don't understand this as parents, we make assumptions that... Really, cause problems for our children and our relationships with our children. Without without being given this information, very few people really understand how this impacts their ability to parent their child and and why this causes behavior in the first place. And this is one thing as a as a professional now that. Never ceases to cause me great distress that parents are not given this information and right. and so they don't they don 't understand uh, for moms they don 't understand why they are so impacted as parents, and so right. they feel that the difficulties are their fault it 's a bit of a um, here 's your child here
1: 's your child 's diagnosis now deal with it kind of situation and I see where you can go from starting a support group to, to get a bunch of people together and talk about these things to where you where you, you've landed now because it was so important and is continues to be so important to understand it from every
2: person in the family's perspective not just the child yeah absolutely you know it, it has a dramatic impact on all relationships in the family and externally parents. too I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. It, it affects every aspect of life. And without this big picture perspective, it, you know, and then top it off with the way our system has, um, you know, we have most parents, are, our therapy is suggested. And so, um, it, what, you know, the typical Form of therapy sort of treats, takes the child outside of the family, Mm -hmm. and therapy is provided. But what I experience with people I speak to is that that does not help parents. And, you know, I used to joke that um, I was having difficulty with my relationship with my husband, so I'll send him off to therapy.
1: Well, it's true because unless you treat, unless you provide the resources for the parents to support the child who's receiving the therapy, it's impossible to to have the connection to bring it all together.
2: Well, that's right, and you know we we live our lives in relationships, mm-hmm. right? And yeah, when our relationship with our child is impacted in such a huge way, um, therapy for a child, it may have some positive results, but it doesn't do anything to help our relationships. And so parents are left putting out fires and often feeling that their child is the cause of this, which leads them to do all kinds of things, you know, first of all is the yelling and screaming, and the consequences and the rewards. And this poor child is terribly misunderstood. Mm -hmm. And their self esteem, uh, which is often, you know, very low to begin with, just gets worse right and then the stress that uh affects parents and siblings just builds and builds and builds and in my experience moms are left out of the equation entirely right and of course you know mom's self-esteem is again impacted and so
1: ti- it's so tied to your parenting isn't it when you're when you're a mom
2: it's so tied to it it is and you know I, I have such compassion for women in general before we add autism into the equation mm-hmm. and so without the understanding and support and um, the empathy moms the impact on moms is huge and right. um, it, it just causes everyone to spiral downward in the family I've always been really interested on the
1: on the whole family experience I have a neurodiverse son and I know that his behavior and his challenges really have an impact on my other son and yes. I've always I've always been really aware of that because my younger son who's the neurodiverse son requires so much more time and energy and effort and my older son is super easy and easygoing. But I, and I think part of that is because he's always had to be, but I've always felt a little bit bad for him because I feel like he gets the short end of the stick sometimes because of that. So I think this whole family approach is, is so important for those
2: relationships as well. Oh, it is, it is. And you're absolutely right. You know, my, um, my daughter who is uh, four years younger than my son, the same thing, you know, uh, because I was You know, before I really understood all of this information, seeing autism through the lens of of a developmental approach rather Mm. than a behavioral approach, you know, I was running around, putting out fires, taking my son to appointment after appointment and got no answers. Right. And my daughter was just being dragged around everywhere, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and I, I felt horrible because I felt like she, just like you said, was getting the short end of the stick. Yeah, yeah. It's really hard.
1: So let's talk a little bit about what you do and how you um, help families now with um, this developmental perspective. I'm really, really interested to learn more about what you're doing and how that can affect people and how that helps people. And maybe even some stories if you can share some. Yes, anonymously
2: of course. No, of course, of course. Yeah, so uh, things changed so uh, so significantly for my son, um, for my family, that I was compelled to leave the work I was doing behind. And I was, um, I was a marketing manager for a company in Peterborough. And um, I decided to do the professional certification training, uh, which took me a couple of years. I trained under two psychologists um, in Houston, Texas, and um, became a certified RDI consultant. And at that time, I expected people to be coming to me left, right, and center when I told them what was possible. But going back, now this was, I'm going back to 2006, and at that time, um, it was all about behavior therapy at that time. And and Mm -hmm. to a large degree, it still is. Mm -hmm. And um, so there was a lot of skepticism around what I was doing, because I was talking about neuroplasticity in the brain and the fact that um, our child's brain can change. Mm -hmm. And then at that point in time that was all considered very woo-woo and now you know, <laughs> woo <Woo-woo>. woo. <laughs> well it really was, no, it was like, true. I know I get it you know like what the heck are you talking yeah. about right mm-hmm. um, there's no evidence to support this well of course now you know science and research has has proven that is absolutely the case right and so now neuroplasticity is not something that everyone knows about, but um, it is common knowledge now that the brain is very plastic, but it's plastic uh, in that a child needs the right experiences in order for the brain to change. Mm -hmm. So um, I have been doing this work now for almost 15 years. And um, so what I do is I, I coach parents to understand, and I, I must say that I am no longer a certified RDI consultant. I still, the work I do is, is based on a developmental approach, but I've also added in other things to my work. I'm a certified professional coach. I'm a certified emotional freedom techniques practitioner, which is EFT or tapping which I use to reduce mom's stress and with some children as well. And so I have kind of taken everything I've learned over the years and crafted something that is quite unique in that I can help moms with with her stress, and I help children um, with, EFT, with their stress as well. And being able to coach parents has been a tremendous benefit as well. So I, I work with the parents to understand autism through this lens of development. And so they have massive ahas in terms mm-hmm. of how they have been parenting their child. Um, So there, there's a point in my work with parents where they, they unfortunately feel quite crappy about how they have been parenting. (laughs) I was just going to ask that. I was just going to say,
1: it must be hard to hear that. Yeah. We all do the best that we can all the time. Of course. It must be a bit, um, it must be really exciting to hear that, that there's, there's another perspective, but also a little bit frustrating if it took a while to
2: find it. Well, it's it's true because, and as I mentioned earlier, so few people are given this information, mm-hmm. and and now there is a real um, groundswell of support for a, a developmental approach rather than just a a behavioral approach, because as, as these parents who come across me in my work understand is that when we focus only on behavior, then we're just trying to get our child to stop doing something, Mm -hmm. right? Versus understanding why it's happening in the first place. Right. And it just sets up this um, this rigidity and conflict right. between parents and, and their child. And so we know that our kids are terribly misunderstood. Right. And so it breaks my heart to think of all these children whose parents are not equipped with this more, you know, it's, it's newer information. And, and so, yeah, they, they do feel terrible, but then they realize, oh my gosh, there's another way. Right. Which is, which is so nice to see that other
1: path and it must be so such a breakthrough for so many parents you must just love that part of your work
2: oh it's just magic you know it's magic so they they have this new awakening around why their child is doing what they're doing so instead of trying to make something just stop they learn to be empathetic and to remain calm and to see their child through this new lens and just the, the very act of learning that when we show up in a calm way with empathy for what our, ch- that, you know, their child is not giving them a hard time, they're having a hard time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that alone makes a huge difference in the amount of behavior that they see. Right. And that's before we really even dig in to the more important work.
1: It's so interesting. When we just, um, October in Canada is Autism Awareness Month, as you know, and yes. we did a series of posts in October. And one of them was about um, autistic meltdowns and about how they're not a temper tantrum in a traditional, you know, um, definition of temper tantrum, but they're an expression of need. And yes. I think that, you know, that's such a great place to start this kind of a conversation because people just don't get that a child that's reacting, like responding in that kind of um, a large way, impactful way is not a child that's just mad. It's a child that needs something. There's a child that, that is trying to tell you something. And I think in terms of your work and being in and, and talking about that, that just, I, that just struck me as something that would be so important to understand.
2: Yeah, it really, really is. You know, if you think about it, like a, a huge component of my work is around mindset. Mm-hmm. So like how you view your child's behavior is going to inform how you address it. Of course. Yeah, it makes so much sense. Yeah, it, it really does. And, of, you know, in our society, in our schools, there is so much emphasis on compliance. <laughs> Yep. Right. And so, you know, a good child is one that is compliant. And so, so many parents before they really get it, they, what they want for their child is for them to comply. But they're really missing the bigger picture. Because, yeah, sure, you know, we want our children to, at least to some degree, be compliant. Mm -hmm. But on a bigger picture, in a bigger picture perspective, we want our children to be able to be flexible, to think for themselves, to learn how to problem solve and how to understand others. And mm-hmm. all of that is possible. Right. So yeah. when I'm working with a family, it's like, expect more. But right. More in terms of compliance, more in terms of what's possible for mm-hmm. that child you know in, in terms of um, in terms of neuroplasticity in terms of their ability to to think and problem solve and be flexible and learn to interact with other people i really love that you're
1: working this way with families and that you're taking it outside of just as you
2: said sending the child to therapy because that is not yeah. that is not the answer no, no. And what's, what's really exciting is that now research has proven that the gateway to change in terms of social and emotional um, and cognitive development is through the parent-child relationship. And when you think about it, that is true of typical children as well. All of their development occurs through their relationships with parents and care, caregivers. So relationships literally build brains. So when we can reestablish a safe emotional relationship between parents and their child, then that's where the magic really begins.
1: And how hard is that? Because I imagine for a child who's been um sort of the the treble child, I know that sounds terrible, but or the parent has a a difficult relationship with or is, you know there's a lot of frustration because of the behavior. How hard is it to re-engage in a way that's, I mean, there's always a love, I know that, but in a way oh, yeah. that is um, without that frustration and without that
2: uh, challenge of looking at it in a different way? Yeah. Well, that's why um, there is so much emphasis put on mindset, right? Because parents, when they come to me, they have to be willing to be open-minded and to be an apprentice to me, in a sense, right? right? Be- because I'm guiding them in baby steps, just step by step by step. Right. And so it's not as, I mean, it's very possible, but it's not something that one can really do for oneself because it really requires someone outside of that relationship, helping them to see things from a different perspective.
1: Oh, of course.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So it all hinges around this a notion of building a safe relationship, a safe, an emotionally safe relationship. So once parents um, begin to see things differently, see their child as having a hard time, not giving them a hard time, and learn to remain calm and, and be empathetic, everything changes. Right. That's so really- the child, um, in fact, when parents learn to show up differently, the child shows up differently in response. Automatically, I would think that would just yeah. that would just yeah. be a natural and instinctive thing.
1: It's and true. I think and it must be really it must have so much value to the parents that you work with that you've been through this and you you know the highs and you know the lows and you can yeah. really empathi- empathize with them and oh you yeah. know you've been in their shoes oh which must absolutely
2: really and, yeah you yeah. know I I have a huge mission to change the way we view and address autism. And as part of that, to support moms, uh, because they really, I believe moms have really been given the short end of the stick. Without (laughs) this information, they are destined to feel like failures. And that impacts the whole family. Well, especially in a world of social
1: media, where everyone's life is perfect. Oh, of course it is. (laughs) If you're going home, if you're going home and you know, your son's putting holes in the drywall because he's so angry, you're not feeling like the greatest parent in the world. No, so
2: and that's exactly it. You know, um, women have really been, been kicked to the curb in our current system. And um, it's so unfair, uh, not just for these women who do walk around feeling like horrible moms, which is not the case at all. It's not their fault, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because they haven't been given, you know, access to, to more recent information that is based on, uh, on science, you know, brain science and child development. And it's really a tragedy in my view.
1: So in terms of your practice and what you're doing, you're working with, with moms for the
2: most part? Or entire families? Well, it, it that's a good, really good question, actually. So moms comprise, you know, 95% of the, the clientele that I work with. There are some amazing dads out there who come to the table. And when they do, it really... Is um, has uh, a tremendous impact on the power of the work I do. Now, as long as the child has one parent that they have that emotionally safe relationship with, the child and the and the mom can work together. Um, but unfortunately, for dads, then it creates a real um, distance between. Um, so the dad observes the mom and the child having this wonderful new capacity to relate to one another and the dad feels sometimes um, a little resentful because he feels like the odd man out but you know unfortunately if he doesn't make the choice to be part of this process then there's not much I can do. And why do you think it is that that dad's Choose to not be part of. It. I think that's a big, big, big question, and um, I think the short answer from my experience is that moms and children are connected in a way that dads can't be, because, mm-hmm. simply because they haven't, you know, been been pregnant, given birth, and all right. of that.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, there's an energetic connection that is just different, um, and I think a lot of it has to do with how you know we were parented as well yeah yeah you wonder because we only know what we have experienced ourselves.
1: I would love to just talk about a little bit about your practice and some of the people you work with and maybe some stories and results of, yeah, yeah, of some of your sure. th- the therapy you do and I find the tapping thing really interesting. You say woo woo and I I kind of go to woo woo when you say tapping but that I hear about it a lot and so maybe mm-hmm. before we get into sort of some stories and some some of your work how does that work?
2: Yeah, it's it is it does seem crazy that you could tap on parts of your face and upper body and talk at the same time and get this phenomenal result but in um, the short answer to that is that it is all evidence-based you know there are studies after study it is now there's no controversy to be had because all the research supports it so In a nutshell, um, we have energy meridians that if you think of acupuncture, Mm -hmm. right, acupuncturists put needles in where these energy lines and meridians come to the surface of the skin. And so we don't need to use needles, although acupuncture is just a different altogether right Mm -hmm. but when we tap on these meridians that come to the surface of the skin and when we talk about what is is causing distress it sends a message to the amygdala of the brain which is the fight or flight or the Mm -hmm. alarm bell center of the brain so it literally um, reduces the emotional charge that we experience huh as a result. That's fascinating. Yeah, it really, really is. And yeah. and tapping is something that can be done, used in so many different ways. So as a practitioner, I've got all kinds of ways that I can help moms with stress. But essentially, after a few sessions, a mom will say to me, you know, I'm not getting as you know pissed off with my child, for example. Interesting. Yeah, it's really, it's fascinating. And I'm just in the middle, in the mi- beginning, I should say, of doing my advanced practitioner status and I'm doing my independent research project on using EFT with moms of children with autism. So I'm Fantastic. Super, super excited about this and I'm just at the very beginning stages of it. Uh, but it really does work, even if you don't believe it will.
1: And I think right? it's so
2: important to research all of these things. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. When you think about it, everything is energy and yeah. emotional freedom techniques is and a part is considered energy psychology. Right. So it's sort of a combination of the Western psychology, if you will, and the Eastern acupuncture approach. Yeah. So it's a blend of the two. So interesting.
1: So just before we wrap up, I would love to hear about some stories, some results of um, how your therapy has worked for families. And, and so if you could share some of that with us, that'd be amazing.
2: Yeah, for sure. So I, uh, about four years ago, I decided to take some of my work online so I could um, help more people. And so now I work with, in fact, all of my work is done through Zoom. Um, Now I do, you know, I, I, given (laughs) what's going on in the world right now, working, you know, face-to-face is not possible. Right. Um, So I have different types of programs Uh, based on the length of time, the intensity of the work I do with the family. In every case, my goal is to restore the ability for the parent to feel like a competent parent, and to feel like they can not just, you know, manage behavior, but rebuilding that relationship Mm -hmm. is critical. So that is my aim. And um, there's a process that I follow, but it, the end result is that I, I was talking to a client this morning who who had very rigid, parent, she was parented in a very rigid fashion. And so as a result, without understanding how autism impacted her child's development and subsequently their relationship, she would, you know, and, and no fault of her own without having any other tools, she would yell and scream. And, you know, consequences and so on. So now she and her, now this is one of the amazing dads I speak of, um, she and her husband, have um, a a wonderful relationship with their son. Is it perfect? No, because there's no such thing, right? (laughs) Right?
1: Yeah, you can't just take frustration out of a person's life forever.
2: No, no, it's just not doable, right? So their home life is much calmer, much more peaceful. They have fun as a family that they could never have had before. Uh, there is much less um, stress. Um, the mom and dad's relationship is much more harmonious, I bet. and and they can laugh at home and have fun and go on family outings and do things that they couldn't do. It feels like magic to me, but it's not. It's yeah. it's really a matter of knowing the path and understanding these two individuals and their behavioral styles their views on their child's behavior and helping. It's like, I feel like it's like I'm an orchestra conductor. (laughs) Right. And I'm, I just have over the years, I've learned how to work with different types of people, different types of families, different cultures. Um, But the end goal is always the same. And that's a more harmonious um, family life. And uh, the possibilities are really endless for these children and for the families. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, I I love the whole family approach. I have one quick question because I'm curious about this. In terms of the relationship and how it changes the child um, and their response to their parents, do you find that the kids become more engaged in other activities and in participating in things with their families and in maybe participating in activities individually as well?
2: Yeah, great question. So it has, um, yes. In in other words, to answer your question, yes. So mm-hmm. children are more capable of um, emotional regulation. Um, they are able to learn how to interact with others in a new way uh, because they are they have learned about relationships through being in relationship in a new way with their parents. So they can participate in things at school in a new way. You know, difficult behavior at school is often seriously reduced. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so children are able to participate in camp experiences, in new activities. Um, It changes how they interact with others and the world at large. That's amazing. So,
1: yeah. Because I know that a lot of these kids do have challenges with that kind of thing and don't want to participate in activities and have trouble making friends. And and so if if working with the parents can make that big of an impact on the child's social life and social skills, that's just amazing. Because I also know that kids, you know, are often hesitant to do therapy, as as you might say it. And it's not yeah. as easy for a child to do that. So if you can if you can connect with the child via the parents and make those, make those changes. That's unbelievable to me. That's just, I mean, not unbelievable.
2: That's the wrong word, but it's, um, absolutely fantastic. Oh, it's wonderful to, you know, I it, what our kids are capable of. Um, you know, there's no there's no limit. Um, it's just a matter of how we are cultivating their potential, and that's really what I'm able to do. Rather, so you know, the way I look at our system right now is it's not capitalizing on what our children are capable of at all. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's to me, it's a, it's tragic because yeah. it's you know all this potential is assumed it's not there when it really really is well that's
1: um just i'm just i could talk to you about this for hours i truly I know could. it's me just too. so interesting <laughs> to me and i really um yeah. i really i know that we have to um i know that we have to go now but i just so appreciate you being with us today and sharing this with us um, do you want to share your website information? We'll also share it on the, um, on the actual podcast homepage. But if you want to share any of your practice information or website information with us so people can, can
2: um, get more information, that'd be fantastic. Yes, absolutely. I'd love to. So again, my name is Sue Simmons and my business is Equinox Family Consulting. And I call it Equinox because on the Equinox, which occurs twice a year, there are equal amounts of light and dark. So my purpose is to give children with autism and their families an equal opportunity to enjoy quality of life. So www.equinoxfamilyconsulting.com.
1: Amazing. Thank you so much for your time today, Sue. It was so great to talk to you again. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, once again, I learned something new. I
2: hope we can stay connected and and, uh, maybe talk again one day. You bet. I would love that, Julie. Thank you so much. This has been my pleasure.
0: Thank you for joining us today. Stay tuned for more episodes of Sharing the Spectrum, and Autism Canada podcast. The beautiful music you heard is from Bruce Pethrick Bruce is a neurodiverse musician and friend of Autism Canada. You can check out more of his music on his website at brucepetrick.com. Our executive producer is Barbara Patton. Julie Perkis is our producer. Additional thanks to the Autism Canada team, including Tafari Anthony, Shannon Zelensky, Dominique Payment, Mariana Curric, and Earl Zelensky. For more information about Autism Canada, don't forget to visit us at autismcanada.org. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Thank you for joining us today. Stay tuned for more episodes of Sharing the Spectrum, and Autism Canada podcast. The beautiful music you heard is from Bruce Pethrick. Bruce is a neurodiverse musician and friend of Autism Canada. You can check out more of his music on his website at brucepetrick.com. Our executive producer is Barbara Patton. Julie Perkis is our producer. Additional thanks to the Autism Canada team, including Tafari Anthony, Shannon Zelensky, Dominique Payment, Mariana Keurig, and Earl Selinsky. For more information about Autism Canada, don't forget to visit us at autismcanada.org. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube.